0: Don't worry, to kick to me, radio, da 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 da
1: da. Don't to kick to me, radio, da 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 da
0: Welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio, episode 254. Today, we'll be talking with writer director Michael Cuenca about a brand new movie he's got out and about the other aspects of his career as well. Stand by. finding us for the very first time. Welcome to geek to me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. Each week, we try to bring you someone new in the world of pop culture, be it film, TV, comic books, or games, and talk to them about their career and what they've got out, maybe a project they've got. In this case, we've got a brand new guest for the first time on geek to me Radio. Let's dive right in. Talking now with Mike Cuenca about a brand new movie, like a dirty French novel, which just the name sounds intriguing. We're going to dig into that in a little bit more. Mike, how are you?
1: I am fantastic. How are you
0: doing well? Thanks. Um, official selection for the Danced with Films twenty twenty one, along with other accolades you personally received. This has got to be very exciting to have this movie out there for people to view. Now,
1: I'm very stoked about it, and um, I think it, I think it's a movie that needs to be watched with a crowd. So um, to have it on a big screen and you know at the Chinese theaters, it's it's quite an honor.
0: Absolutely. When you think of the history of so many great films that premiered there and have been shown there and things like that, it's it's got to be a surreal experience to see your project that you had such a hand in making and all, all the things you've toiled with to see it up there on that legendary screen.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and this this project, um, you know, uh, my friends, uh, Ashley Elfman and Dan Roje, who's uh, my frequent co-writer. Um, we just had all these different ideas. I've had some of these ideas since I was a teenager And, you know, quarantine hit and, you know, we were just actually on a Zoom chat and we started talking about all these different crime ideas that we had. And within two to three days, we wrote the entire treatment. And then, um, you know, we kind of put it away. This is like at the beginning or like the end of March or whatever. And then, you know, come uh, fall, I was like, I need to make something. I'm going kind of crazy. So um, (laughs) we took this huge risk and just made the movie within like a week, like five days at the very end of October and then bleeding into November. And, you know, it was something that we didn't even like, we, we didn't really work very hard on the script. We just had these stories and we, we knocked it out. And then I gave the, uh, I gave all the scenes to the actors, um, which is kind of something that I do when I, when I work with people, I never give them the entire script. I just give them their own, their scenes. So they had no idea what they were getting into, you know? So, um, uh we not like like i said we banked it out in a week and uh everyone was just really intrigued by by the premise or the premise of their scenes and um we did have like a a, a couple of months ago i just had like a private screening just for the cast and um i had a great time just to see their reactions um but uh it, it, what what was so great is it was just such a fast turnaround and it feels like you know i i've spent a long time working on on prior features or whatever but um It's it's such a it's such a relief uh, to enjoy this product and, you know, be very content with it um, when we didn't put that much effort into it without trying to, you know, trying to belittle the project or anything like that, anything like that.
0: No. And there's so many ways I could take this now that you've said all those things, because my mind started reeling with all these questions. We'll start with uh, one of the things, obviously, a week to shoot most films generally take. I've I've heard some directors say, you know, we worked on it. We were able to knock it out in, in. three weeks. Obviously, some movies take three months to film. Was it the fact that you said you had all these ideas? It was in your brain. You kind of had it on a shelf and kind of worked on it here and there. Was that one of the reasons it took such a short time to shoot or was it out of necessity?
1: I think it was uh, both, you know, just having those ideas for a while. And then because no one was working because of quarantine, you know, everyone was available. So I had a bunch of actor friends that wanted to act. I had a bunch of filmmaker friends that um, just wanted to be on a set and we're like, you know what, let's just do this, you know? Um, and, uh, we did have, you know, we, we, we did incorporate not our pandemic, but there is a pandemic in the story, but, um, it's to me, it's a MacGuffin. It's just, you know, an excuse for us to have people wearing, you know, face masks because we had to be you know careful when we were, we were filming this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a desire to, uh, create something and do it in this environment and do something really strange and bizarre um, and you know, not to veer off on a tangent, but, um, the pandemic that's going on in the movie that we don't, like I said, to McGuffin, we don't really concentrate on it is something that's causing people to fall down and not get up. So hmm. that's just kind of what's going on. And we don't really focus on that. It's just there because if it weren't for these situations, if it weren't for that thing going on in this universe, um, these stories wouldn't be able to happen. So, um, as I said, it was, a, it was ideas and like ideas that I had for a long time. And we just kind of incorporated into what was going on in the world at the time in order for us to be able to complete it.
0: And as a director, a lot of people, they'll, they'll look at their work, and obviously it goes through an editing process. Of, well, I want to change this. I want to change this. Again, with a weak turnaround, getting it out, I is this the ultimate product? Because you've obviously, like we talked about, you've you've had time to think about it. You've kind of worked on it here and there. So is 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 the final project that you put out now, is this the perfect movie in your mind, or would you go back and change anything oh, if you there's, could?
1: There's, there's nothing that's going to be perfect.
0: <laughs> in in it's your mind, though, like, certain... I'm,
1: you know it's it's i'm I'm okay with it or i i I really like how it turned out is what i'm trying to say um because uh my last feature i'll be around um you know we 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 had to cut it down for the festival circuit and it was like a two-hour flick and then you know uh it, it played at a few festivals and streaming festivals and it's out on prime now and it's on tubi and all that jazz but that flick up until like three or four months ago, I was not happy with that project. And I had to put on a you know smile and be like, yeah, you know, we worked really hard on this for three or four years and we made this epic movie or whatever. But um, I was able to step away from it and go back to it and do the extended cut that Dan Roje, the co-writer, and I wanted to do, which was our intent. So up until three, four months ago, I was entirely dissatisfied with that project. Mm-hmm. And now we released uh, our, my, director's cut writers and director's cut that's on my personal vimeo and the movie's been split into two features that are 270 minute long features in order to tell the entire story that we wanted to tell um with this project um aside from like once i did the rough cut of it um i stepped away from it i came back to dirty french novel and i looked at it and i was like you know what we wrote a really tight script because this is just what we wanted to do we didn't veer off in these like tangents like i tend to go on when i talk but um uh, (laughs) We just narrowed it down. And so um, once I had that that first – you know, I screened it to a couple people, um, and I was like not happy with the ending. And there's still things now that I go, you know what? I should have done this. I should have added this other story that's been popping in my head now, but nothing I can do about that now. But um, yeah, as far as any project that I've ever worked on, it's the one where I'm like, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. I didn't have a lot of time to like go back and uh, decide uh, – you know like have a difficult time deciding what i wanted to present in there and maybe because it was so quick and uh, easy to do um i'm very happy with it but yeah i think it's as close to quote unquote perfect that it can be
0: and in just watching the trailer and for those of you listening if you go down there's a link to the trailer in the show notes if you want to take a look at the trailer um I, i'll i sound like a, a movie sommelier but i was getting uh notes of pulp fiction a little hint of uh uh, the Johnny Depp movie, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And obviously it had just a a very foreign film feel to just the trailer. Uh, when, you, when you get comparisons like that, it, it, were those conscious things that you were kind of thinking, yeah, I see that too? Or do you get some that are kind of like, oh, I didn't see that, but now I do see that?
1: I mean I, I think i you know i'm a I'm a huge cinephile, and I, I mean i uh unhealthily watch like about a two to three movies <laughs> a day, well especially you know when things close down but I tend to watch about a movie a day and like i re-watch things over and over um and that's all gonna seep into whatever I'm working on at the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh so those comparisons are great um the the pole fishing thing is something that I didn't even ne- neither Dan roger or I thought about whatsoever when we were making this thing and with a title of the movie, which is actually taken from a Velvet Underground song, which I love the Velvet Underground. They were my favorite band when I was 16 years old. And um, I always had that as a title that, of, of something that I wanted to work on. Hmm. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, we didn't re- realize that people could compare this to Pulp Fiction because it's very nonlinear and it is very pulpy. And it's kind of an anthology movie. But the more once you start watching the movie, you realize like midway that these little short films that you're watching in the flick aren't really short films. It's just a full story that's being told out of order. Um, so I can see the comparisons because of that, but it was no, it was nothing that was ever like consciously that what we were trying to do is just, Oh wow. I didn't realize that just um, uh, coincidental.
0: <laughs> and when you're writing and directing, is that an easier mode to be in doing both? Because obviously you've written this, this is your material. You kind of know how you want it directed or are there times when you kind of want to just write and have someone else bring the vision to life where where is your mindset on that
1: I don't know I think it's just all part of a it's I don't think my personality would allow that and there's stuff that I've written that I'm like cool I could pass this on to somebody but um it's just like I want this uh you know to me a script is just a sketch of uh what's gonna happen and even even what's on the page by the end of the day once you start editing and everything and your intent um it may not match what that is you know um but um it's, it's sometimes when I, when I'm writing something, for example, and Dan, and Dan can be very descriptive in his own way when he's um, writing scenes, um, or dialogue. Um, I already know exactly how I want the tone and feel to be like, and I don't think I can try to describe that to somebody else if they were going to be able to, uh, helm this project instead of me. So once I do that and we shoot the scenes and then my favorite, favorite part is the editing process, because that's when you, you know, cliche terms shape the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can change so much about it you can make a campy scene seem incredibly uh dire and drastic or vice versa or whatever or you know uh you can take a a very dramatic scene and make it into a comedic scene just by editing it
0: we're gonna take our first break right there come back and chat more with michael cuenca please stand by
1: This is Mark Pellegrino, Lucifer from Supernatural, and you are listening to geek to me Radio.
0: And we're back. This segment brought to you by our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. Marcus Theaters is the website, marcustheaters.com. You can use that website to find the location of the Marcus Theaters or a movie tavern closest to you and you can even buy your tickets right there, see movie reviews and all that kind of good stuff. They usually have specials going on there as well. Make sure you enroll in the magical movie reward. You get basically rewarded for seeing movies. If you go to the movies and buy your tickets, you can log in through the website with your account and get points. If you go to the concession stand, you get a popcorn or a large soda. Show your card. They'll swipe it. You get points. Eventually, you'll be able to use those points for movies, for concessions, or other great things. One of the things I would recommend doing, which is a lot of fun, is getting a private theater maybe you have an event coming up uh, maybe you want to do a bachelor party bachelorette party a birthday party for somebody get a live group together of 20 people and you can go see a movie rent a private theater and go see free guy uh, go see paw patrol go see whatever movies out they sometimes have retro specials too i just earlier this summer you could rent a private theater and watch raiders of the lost ark in the big screen how cool would that be Go to the website, once again, marcustheaters.com. Very proud to have them as the official movie sponsor. It is definitely, by far, the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Right before we took that last break, we were chatting with Michael Cuenca, and uh, he and I had talked off-air a little bit about He mentioned that uh, he, too, had an interconnected film universe and was kind of doing this even before the Kevin Smiths and the Kevin Fagies were doing it on their end.
1: We, um, all my stuff, all my movies actually take place in a shared universe. I've been doing this, you know, pre-Marvel days I've been doing this, (laughs) but I'm also like, I also grew up reading Marvel comics. So, um, but like, um, like Kevin Smith does that, you know, Tarantino kind of has like a shared universe. So, um, I've been doing that, but anyway, and I'll be around. Um, we mentioned this, this, uh, slasher, it's called the whole install slayer. It's a fictional town. Um, Most of my stuff takes place in fictional cities. Kind of like Shermer, Illinois from the John Hughes movies. Shermer doesn't exist. Um, So um, we have this, they talk about this serial killer. Uh, And it's just like a fun gag scene or whatever. But um, that serial killer originated from uh, the web series that I used to do back in 2008 which was like a punk rock ensemble really Looney Tunes meets Seinfeld web series it's really silly I did it with a bunch of friends every episode was like 22 minutes long before things were um, available to stream online easily so no one could even load the thing because they didn't have the, the, the proper internet connection to let it play <laughs> or whatever so uh, it was problematic but the um, the, uh, uh, the the slayer this, the slasher this, this killer kind of played a small part in that show but um, everyone's been bugging me to make a horror movie. They're like, you should make a horror movie. And I love horror movies, but I'm like, I love them so much that I don't want to make one because I don't want to mess it up. You know, I don't want to criticize my own thing. Um, and I was like, well, if I do do something, it's going to be like a horror comedy. And I was like, uh, you know, maybe we should give this a shot. So um, we are do we did a total spinoff. Um, we just finished a treatment yesterday, Dan and I. And it's basically – uh, it's a Giallo tribute, and it's the slasher movie to end all slasher movies. We wrote this insane, really brutal, um, still humorous story, um, but it has, like I said, I wanted the um, the uh, kills and the intensity of uh, Brian De Palma. I wanted the sense of adventure of a Spielberg. I want the suspense of a Hitchcock, and I want a little bit of slastic element from a Howard Hawks movie. And that's what we just finished. And it's about the whole install Slayer and it starts in the nineties and it builds up to now. And it's unlike any slasher movie that's been made. I'm saying this as just a movie nerd, you know, not to again, pat our own bags, but it's very, very different than anything we've ever seen. Um, It is a little nonlinear, just like a dirty French novel, but it's an epic. So what I'm hoping to do is get, you know, enough traction going with this flick that yeah, we did within a week and it was really fun to do. And it's like a a really fun, pulpy story to see if we can get some interest and financing, eventual financing to make this project, because I think it would be a really cool story to watch.
0: And with (laughs) with with crowdfunding and things like that, is that something you've not you've kind of steered clear of for any certain reason? Like if you were to do a Kickstarter campaign for funding for that film?
1: Well we did a we did a seed and spark for I'll be around, but it's like I'm not very uh, I don't have a lot of connections in that sense. So it's like we we were we were able to raise eight thousand dollars for I'll be around. Um and that movie, uh, you know, I paid out of pocket for a lot of stuff that went on there because we had so many locations and this and that. But um I'm just like I, I don't have the, the connections and like the social media following to like mm. get enough people to uh pitch in for for anything that I'm working on. So and I don't like begging for, yeah. for money yeah, so that. it's like it's not a, yeah it's not something that I really wanted to do for for this thing um and I I just feel like we're not we're not gonna get anywhere if we do that also a bit, like about a decade ago um when I was shooting Oblivion that punk rock show that I was talking about um I just got in this brand new laptop that my one of my really close and best friends Yvonne bought me um that I was gonna pay her back for um so I had that and I had like my camera my sound equipment all this stuff in my car um, and we were shooting oblivion and I ended up stopping at one place really fast to use a restroom. By the time I came outside, someone had slashed my tires and broken into the car, Pulling oh, no. everything. And I, and I was unemployed at the time and I was struggling to pay my bills to begin with. And I had a Kickstarter campaign for that, but I was the only time where I was like, I, you know, like, this is what makes me happy. Um, you know, I don't get a lot of success creating this stuff, but I really, really, uh, you know, need this gear back. So that was the one time where I was like really pleading people to help me out. And I had just joined Facebook at the time. So I was, you know, privately messaging people and I'm like, Hey, if you can just throw in like two or three bucks, if I contact enough people, I can, you know, uh, raise enough funds to buy back this equipment. But I was entirely, you know, heartbroken at the time because not, not only did they take all this gear, but they took all the footage that was, that we had shot, uh. you know, for the last week, that brand new laptop, everything. And I was just gutted. I just fell down to my knees when I saw the car. I couldn't even talk and I just like started just crying. Oh man. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so it's like, I, you know, uh, I wish I would have that kind of success or like the gall to be like, hey guys, you want to finance this really insane um, slasher movie that we want to make. Um, but I, I, I got to see what kind of other uh, avenues I can yeah. go down. <laughs> I get
0: that, yeah. We'll pause once again. Come back and chat more with writer-director Michael Cuenca, please stand by. Hi, this is
1: John Emmett Tracy from iZombie Supernatural and Assassin's Creed 3. You are listening to Geek to Me Radio. Yeah.
0: I'm Welcome back to the show. Chatting for the rest of this hour with writer director Michael Cuenca about his movie, Like a Dirty French Novel. And then this, uh, we should mention too, it is premiering August 28th um, at the Dances with Film Festival when you're submitting it, what do you kind of, what, what, what's your thought process when you're submitting it? Is it just get the movie out there? Or are you, are you obviously you want you want it to, to get accolades and win awards, but is it the, the project itself is the prize or how, how do you view it once you are putting it out there into the world?
1: Well, I think the project itself is the prize because it's like, you know, you, you, you work hard on something and you have this thing and you want to share it with the world. And you know, uh, I tend to do, um, very character driven stories that, um, uh, it, it, it's like what I, you know, I actually went on this, this talk last night with a couple of people, but, um, you know, when I was a kid and you watch a film, uh, by a filmmaker, uh, that entirely encompasses what you're feeling inside that you can't describe, especially when you're a teen, cause you're, you're much so susceptible to things, you know, and you feel more alone in the world than you probably will ever feel. Hmm. Um, and you find something that you entirely connect with and uh, it speaks to you in volumes, even if it makes you laugh, even if it's not something that's like, oh, my God, this person understands my life. It just really connects with who you are as a person. That's my that that to me is um, my whole M.O. for creating movies. It's not to even get awards or or anything like that or even a pat on the back like you, someone goes, hey, you did a great job. It's just to find people that relate to this material. And with this project, it's less. It's less philosophical. It has philosophical leanings, but it's less um, uh, emotional than the other stuff that I've done. And it is uh, a very uh, camp project. It's um, it's pulpy, <laughs> um, and you just want someone to just enjoy this and be entertained by it. And um, it's part of the the the, the non format that we chose to uh, go into because um, you want to keep the audience surprised and also slightly confused, but interested. And I'm like, just, just sit back, watch the entire thing. And by the time you get to the end, you'll see how all the pieces connect.
0: That's how I got my wife. I'm slightly confused, but interesting. That's how I kind of lured her in. So I I love that motive. That's great. Right. Right. And and (laughs) and
1: like I said, I'm a, I'm a person that rewatches stuff all the time. And I know a lot of people don't like doing that, but, um, at least with the stuff that I do, I always go just watch it once. Um, view the lay of the land. I think this is a Robert Altman quote and I constantly quote this, but I don't even know if He for sure said this because I can't find it anywhere online. But he's talking about, you know, when you approach his films, for example, um, it's like viewing the lay of the land. You're on a hill and you're watching this town from far away. And then the second time you watch the movie, you're walking into town. You're seeing the storefronts and everything. The third time that you revisit the film, now you're inside the buildings. And I think that's a good way to just view movies in general because there's so much going on in that initial first run that – I think you're just supposed to just enjoy yourself and enjoy it for what it is, but don't try to make too much sense out of it. And then when you revisit it, you're going to see how everything is actually properly connected and how this whole world is uh, really coherent.
0: And I I was just having this conversation with somebody to me, the hallmark of a good movie is that you want to go back and watch it a second and a third time. That is something if if I see a movie and I want to go back and see it again, I'm going to obviously rate that movie a little higher than another movie. Like I saw it, I get the idea. So that's, that's an interesting point. So you're kind of purposely making movies that kind of have that aspect to it. The rewatchability draws people in.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's like, um, you're, you're going to find something different every time. And, you know, uh, th- like, as I say, the movie doesn't change, but you do. So the movie does change. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but 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 I, I love movies that, um, you know, I'll be like, hey, that was that was cool. There's some things I liked about that. But you know what? I, you know, I don't think it was all that great. But then two, three days later, I keep thinking back to it and I'm like, man, that scene was really good. And then I keep thinking back to it. And then three weeks later, I'm still thinking about it. And I'm like, that is a good movie because it's still in my brain. There's something about it that I knew subconsciously or I didn't know um, that is really, really attractive. And so I'll go back and rewatch it and be like, whoa, my mind is totally blown because uh, at the time it wasn't hitting me in certain ways. It it also could be the mood that you're in or the people that you watch it with. Oh, sure. um, Yeah, it totally affects the experience. But um, I love that stuff. And then on the other hand, I'll watch movies that I don't ever think about again whatsoever. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, maybe that wasn't (laughs) that great. And sometimes I'll be like, you know what, my memory's a little fuzzy, and I go back, and I was like, yeah, it's still in a memorable uh, picture. But at least I try to try to do stuff that um, would want to make a person go back and check it out. Especially this thing, because it's like I said, it's all out of order.
0: And you've got another one that's currently filming boys about town. Is this one, uh, another one that you've kind of had in your mind for a while? Is this just a new project you've kind of created?
1: Well, that one, uh, we started shooting it, um, in 2018. Um, and I actually had this idea before I'm a big, uh, Richard Linklater fan, but I had no idea about boyhood when I had this idea. So 2018 is when we started, uh, shooting it, but I started writing it in, uh, 2006. Oh, wow. Um, and I, and I and I had it on the side and it was just something like this before I started. I officially started making uh, movies like in 2008. But um, and so I had it there and I and I worked on it a little bit. And it's just about these, uh, you know, two young men. They're like in, they're 20 years old and we're following them in real time as they age. And it's about their friendship and the relationships that they, they get into. And one of them is very promiscuous and the other is very reserved. They're both music fanatics. They both love uh, a lot of '60s soul and garage rock and that sort of stuff. Kind of a mod um, lifestyle that they lead, even though that's you know an antiquated subculture. But um, it's it's my tribute to Truffaut and Godard movies. So it has like the title cards. It's shot in black and white. Um, we we do a lot of it's it's basically everything in the kitchen sink being thrown into the movie. But um, yeah, I'm still filming that. Um, I think we'll be done with it in about a year and a half. But um, we're actually next wednesday shooting for the first time in three months because i because i catch up with the characters every two to three months and we shoot these vignettes yeah. um it's been really fun because um uh the recurring actors that i work with the two uh the two uh guys um cole and joaquin joaquin dominguez um and so like it's been really fun to see them like uh you know initially have baby fat and then now they're like Turning into like late twenty-year-olds, and it, it's been pretty cool. And and, and you know, it, it's not it's not a gimmick. I just really wanted to showcase how they change on camera, how the and it's not just those two characters that we're following. We're following like they have like this little ensemble group of friends, and just seeing how their opinions change, how they mature, how they don't mature. That sort of stuff, but um, yeah, it's been a really, really fun project. But yeah, I, ha- I had it like 3D French novel. It's just something that I had in my mind for a long time, and I'm like, no one's ever gonna give me the money to make this thing, so I might as well just do it now. But I was, I was yeah. waiting a long time for the right, the right actors for it, and they're fantastic. They're so good. Their chemistry is amazing, and um, you really believe they'd been lifelong friends when you, when you watch the thing.
0: Lastly, also, you're a musician, a very talented musician. Music obviously plays a huge part. In setting a scene for a movie be it a horror movie a drama movie so obviously as a musician music must be very important when you incorporate it into your films as well i would take it we'll pause once again we'll be right back wrapping up our chat with writer director michael cuenca please stand by
1: Hi, everybody. This is James Masters with his sexy, fake British accent. You're listening to geek to me Radio.
0: And we're back for our final segment. Want to make sure we mention our premier sponsor, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Longtime listeners will know them from the website DiscoverStCharles.com. They've been with me for five years since I launched this show. Uh, It's a great place. of I'm very much involved with uh, some of the goings on there as far as their festivals and things like that. There's always something fun to do, something unique going on. There's cool places to shop. There's a lot of great food to be had. St. Charles is wonderful. If you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area and haven't made the trip yet, I really don't know what you're waiting for. There's always something going on. You can check out the website, discoverstcharles.com for the different festivals, the different weekend things they've got going on. A lot of cool things happening as we're getting into the fall season. Their Legends and Lantern series is gearing up. If you're a Halloween fan, this is something you have to check out. But there's always something for everybody, all ages. There's no matter what kind of things you want to do. If you're an outdoorsy kind of person, you want to go bike ride the Katy Trail, that's great. If you're a foodie and want to try someplace new to eat, that's also something for you. If you're a history buff, there's a lot of things you can learn out there. The First State capital. it's a great time to be out and about in St. Charles. And if you're from out of town, come on in. We'd love to have you. You can stay in one of the bed and breakfasts or world-class accommodations at the hotels they have available Go to the website. That's your kind of your portal into the world of St. Charles. And then again, that website is discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. As we wrap up our chat with Michael Cuenco, we'd ask him about, uh, he's also a musician. And so I'd ask him about incorporating music into his films.
1: Oh, totally. Um, yeah, I just don't have, you know, the budget to put the, the, the pop songs that I would love to put on a, on a soundtrack, but, um, for dirty French novel, well for I'll be around since that movie, you know, uh, that movie's background is that we're following a bunch of musicians over the span of a day, a bunch of musicians and they're all interconnected. So, um, I obviously couldn't afford songs that I wanted to use that would totally capture the environment. So that was, I'm not going to say it was the first time I've done that, but it's the first time that I really focused on creating music for a project that I'm working on. So, you know, I wrote all the music for every fictional band that's in the, in the movie. So for dirty French novel, um, when I was editing it and I talked to my buddy, Carlos, who, uh, co-scored a uh, dirty French novel with me, um, about doing this like very Bernard Herman, um, tribute cause I wanted that Hitchcockian feel and I'm a big Brian De Palma fan and he's a huge Hitchcock fan, but I wanted to capture that, that tone that, uh, Bernard Herman provided Hitchcock's films, but with a little bit of campiness. So the fun part was that pretty much, um, 90% of the music that's in there that we compose was just me editing the picture and humming. Cause I have a, I have like a new problem. I didn't even realize that, that I do this thing, but my girlfriend the other day, she's like, yeah, you're a hummer. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? She's like, you're always humming. And I'm like, I just realized that I consistently humming when there's no music, I'm just going like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like all the time. So I probably look like a sociopath, um, but I got really self-conscious about it. She's like, yeah, you're always humming. And I caught myself humming while I was editing the scenes for Dirty French Novel, so I pretty much grabbed my keyboard that was next to me or my bass, whatever, my instruments that are next to me when I'm editing, and I started just recording immediately on my computer while I was editing these – whatever I was humming. And the humming became the score for Dirty French Novel. So cool. every scene, so it's a pretty fun thing if you watch the movie, every scene that has like a score that goes dum, 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 whatever the hell's going on, that was me doing that while I was editing. And it's been translated to music.
0: <laughs> huh. that's, that's one of those inside the building views. Now you watch it a third time, yeah, you listen to that, you'll hear that part.
1: <laughs> so, I, so, so, I, so I laugh at that, you know? So I was like, oh, great. And, and there's a couple of scenes where I was like, oh, I want a song to sound like this. Like I wanted something to sound like the, um, the uh ren and stimpy theme song yes Uh, for a particular scene there's like this this really absurd fight sequence that's very cartoonish that happens like three quarters into the movie and i wanted that jazzy surfy sound and so um carlos wrote a song i wrote another song it wasn't quite working um and then last minute i just i just like watched the footage over and over and i kept making a a a bass sound with with my mouth and i was like there we go and i got my bass and i did the bass and then i added horns and all this stuff and that's the song that plays during that sequence hmm. um so that was one of the few that wasn't like while i was editing i came up with this thing it was just like okay i need to find the, the right tone for this thing and same thing for boys about town because um, like i said those kids listen to like a lot of 60s music um and i want a lot of power pop songs on there so Um, afterwards I'll, I'll watch the scene over and over and I'll just start humming something and I'll be like, okay, here we go. Um, let me, let me translate that to a guitar and get that into the movie.
0: Yeah. I think that needs to go. That story needs to go in the director's commentary on the DVD (laughs) or at least in fun trivia on your IMDB page. One of the two. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Uh, let everyone know too, if they want to keep up with you personally, where they can find you website, social media handles, things like that.
1: Ooh, I'm on I'm 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 consistently on Instagram. Uh, my name is uh Mike Cuenca with a underscore at the end. Um I'm on Twitter. Uh just type in my name and I have my Tumblr and I try try to update it. But um if you go on there and you click on videos, you can um there's you'll you'll be able to access all my movies. And you know, they're all zero budget movies, but they're on Prime, they're on Tubi and as I keep reiterating, um if you decide to watch I'll be around which is my second to last flick uh highly 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 recommend avoiding the 2 hour cut and just deep diving and watching the uh double album version it's called I'll be around the double album which is the one that's split into two features watch that one because that is the closest thing uh to what Dan and I intended you know when we set out to make that that mm-hmm. picture and um it has a lot of our heart and soul into it it's I'm very proud of it and I think it's very moving um uh, it has the feeling uh, that the other one didn't have. Um, it's like that song from the nineties who sucked out the feeling, right? That's what that version feels like. <laughs> so I highly recommend checking that out, but that's on my personal Vimeo. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to get it out on prime and all that stuff now, but the uh, distributor uh, for the regular version is kind of putting a stop to that, but yeah. we'll see. That's the version that I want out there. And I want people to check that out and, and give it a shot. Cause um, we worked really hard in it and like our blood, sweat and tears is in it. And, I think it comes across. It's a very, very uh, emotional flick when you when you get to the second part of that movie.
0: And we'll have links to the side A and side B of that as well. And also, uh, obviously, like we mentioned, "Like a Dirty French Novel" on August twenty eighth. Uh, tickets available for the Dances with Films Festival. If you want to check that as well. Uh, break legs on the opening for this. Hopefully, it goes exactly like you want it to, and continued success. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. That's going to do it. Another show in the books. Thanks again to Michael Cuenca. Make sure you check out his film, Like a Dirty French Novel. Uh, you can catch it on streaming services. And also make sure you check out our website, GeektomeRadio.com. Click around there. You can see the other interviews we've done. Uh, you can check us out on social media, at geek Me Radio on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks, of course, as always, to Joey V for making this show sound as good as it does and all the work he does behind the scenes. Until next week, my friends. It's not Thank you, Paris. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. bit slash
1: geek to me bit dot slash geek to me